0: I wonder if we can just shout unto the Lord again all over this place. Hallelujah. Let's fill this place up tonight. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. At this time, I will dismiss the children and and the ladies group. Uh, The youth are going to stay up here uh, for Brother Mac, who's going to come at this time and minister the word to us. So let's put our hands together for the Lord as Brother Mac makes his way up here to deliver his timely ten. In Jesus' name.
1: Amen. Praise the Lord, church. Amen. I will be very timely because the youth are in here with me tonight. And uh, sometimes they get a little impatient. Uh, if you'll turn to me to the book of Romans, starting at chapter 8. Book, so, book of Romans, chapter 8, starting at verse 1. Thank you, Bishop and the pastoral staff, for this opportunity to be able to bring the word this evening. Amen. We're going to start at verse 1 uh, for context, and we're going to focus a little bit later on in these later verses. Uh, as far as our topic for this evening. So starting in verse 1, There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. They walk after the Spirit, is what it says in verse 1. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. There's freedom in the Spirit, is what we see there. For what the law could not do, and that it was weak through the flesh... God sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin condemns sin in the flesh. That the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the spirit, the things of the spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God. For it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. In verse 8, so then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. Say that one more time. They that are in the flesh cannot please God. Galatians 5.25 if we live in the spirit, let us also walk in the spirit. And for just a brief moment this evening, I want to talk about walking in the spirit. Lord, we thank you for your presence that's here. We thank you, Lord, for allowing us to gather here in your presence. We pray that your word will edify, that it will do its work in our heart, that we would leave here better Christians for you and for your namesake. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Amen. The world we live in today is a world of self-gratification. Whatever you want, you can have it at any time, and it makes discipline seem almost impossible. For the person who's trying to diet, it's a road I've been on a few times, you're surrounded by fast food that is cheap and easy to get at any time of the day or night. For the person who's trying to save money and be a little smarter with their money, they fail because the largest store in the world is at the palm of your hands and you can have anything you want at any time. I get real lost looking at golf clubs, you know, on the internet. I got to say, no, no, no. And uh, for the person who's trying to read more, pray more, or, or just study more, we live in a world of constant entertainment where boredom is not even an option anymore in that at any time you can find entertainment instead of doing those things. You can always gratify the flesh. Not only that, but we live in America, which is the staple for many of these things that I just mentioned And I find it interesting that America, we are the land of the free, and we're thankful for that, but are we free indeed? Are we free of the flesh? Are we walking in freedom that only comes through the Spirit? The world today is built so that the flesh is in charge. The flesh is king in this world, not in in the kingdom of God, but in this world, flesh is king, and we are in a battlefield that the enemy has built for its own success. So, I I always find it interesting where people say that, you know, their biggest reason for falling or making a mistake, which we all do, unfortunately, is that, you know, maybe Satan came and tempted me. It was Satan, and he, he tempted me, and... Uh, the fact is in the Bible, we don't find anywhere where it says Satan is omnipresent and that he can be everywhere at, at every time. And I find it unlikely that Satan is tempting all of us you know, all the time when we make a mistake, but not to deny that there is demonic temptations that will come eventually in our life at one point or another. But I find it that oftentimes, speaking for myself, 99% of the time I make a mistake, it's because of me and it's because of the flesh. It's not because of Satan, not giving him credit for anything he didn't do. But oftentimes our biggest enemy is the flesh. It's the greatest tempter that we have. The hardest substance in the world to break is not a diamond, it's not iron, it's not steel, it is the human flesh. Paul, who, who was a great missionary and, and man of God and, and apostle who, who had an amazing conversion experience and, and he, was, he was the guy. And yet even this great man of God mentioned that he struggled with the flesh, that he was in a constant war with the flesh. In Romans chapter seven, starting in verse 18, for I know that nothing good dwells in me that is in my flesh. For the willing is present in me, but the doing of the good is not. For the good that I want, I do not do, but I practice the very evil that I don't wanna do. And Paul is saying here is that the, the part in him, the spirit wants to do good things, but he ends up doing the only things he doesn't wanna do. And, and the things that he doesn't wanna do is what his flesh seems to want to do the most. And he's saying right in that verse that he's in a battle, a constant battle every day of our lives. And we have to recognize that as the church, that every single day when you wake up and you get out of bed, you are in a battle with your flesh. It's the battle between the spirit and the flesh. In our original verses I read, it mentions the carnal mind, the flesh. It's enmity against God is the word it used. Enmity means to be opposed or literally battling contrary to something. So Paul is saying here that our flesh is in a fight and it is opposed to God. And that if we, if we succumb to the flesh, that it will dominate us and lead to death. That is what the flesh wants. The flesh is opposed to God. So I ask the question, how do we walk in the spirit? Because clearly we don't want to walk in the flesh. Clearly the flesh is a losing battle and we don't want to be on the side of the flesh. We want to walk in the spirit. And Paul writes a, a, a quote that is commonly used today in 1 Corinthians 15. He says, I die daily. And this verse is not to be taken as a physical death. Paul doesn't literally die every single day, Uh, but it's to be taken symbolically that Paul is dying to his own will. Paul is echoing what Jesus said in Luke chapter 9, verse 23. This is what Jesus said. And he said to them all, if any man come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. I, I like the part where Paul says, I die daily. And Jesus says, deny himself and take up his cross daily. Notice the emphasis that both of them put on the word daily. That this is not just you know, a battle that we can come to the altar one time and, and have a great move of God and then that's it. We're never going to be tempted by our flesh ever again. We're never going to want to do something fleshly ever again. No, that's not how it works. What Jesus and Paul are telling us here is that it is a daily battle that we have to be intentional about. It is a daily decision on if I'm going to walk in the flesh or if I'm going to walk in the spirit. And it is a daily choice and decision. It is not something we can just get rid of all at one time. Galatians 5 says in verse 24 and 25, and they that are Christ have crucified the flesh and with the affections and lust. If we live in the spirit, let's also walk in the spirit. It is through the breaking of our flesh and, and the crucifixion of our flesh symbolically that we deny ourselves, that we do those things that are hard and we fast, we, we deny our wants when we want them, we spend time in prayer instead of entertaining ourselves. And those are all things that are going to take us deeper in God. They're going to take us deeper in the spirit. And God has a call for us to go deeper. 1 Corinthians nine twenty seven. This is what I love Paul's verse here, and I read this often to myself, but I keep under my body and bring it into subjection, lest that by by any means when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. And what Paul's saying here is that I have to check myself. I have to deny myself because I may be speaking one thing, I may be preaching another thing, but if I'm not putting this flesh into subjection, I might myself be a castaway. This is the apostle Paul saying this, that he has to fight so he doesn't fall. When we look at walking in the spirit, Jesus was the ultimate example and precedent. You read through scripture, you'll find Jesus constantly stepping off to the side, finding a secluded place. One verse says he wakes, he woke up early in the morning before the day began to pray. Jesus would always find time to to pray and to deny his flesh. Jesus was flesh. Jesus did not want to wake up before the day began. But Jesus understood that he had to be obedient and he had to walk in the spirit. So, so I want to finish with a story that, that our flesh does not want to hear, but the Spirit needs to hear. And it's just a story in the Bible. You've probably read it before. And it's a story that every time I read it, it just convicts me. And it's about Jesus when he's approaching Calvary and the time of his crucifixion. And he goes to the Garden of Gethsemane to pray. And this is a tough time for Jesus. He knows what's coming. Like I said, Jesus was completely God, but he was also in flesh. He also suffered the temptations that we suffer is what the Bible says. He also had to fight that daily battle and he knew that there was coming some suffering in the near future in his life and he, this was a tough moment and he asked his disciples to pray, pray with me and, and he goes a little further and he falls on his fra- face and he begins to pray deep, deep painful prayers during this crucial time and, and he comes back to his disciples after this praying and he says, and he finds them and in Matthew 26 we'll read what happens. Matthew 26, starting at verse 40. And he cometh unto the disciples and findeth them asleep. And said unto Peter, What, could ye not watch with me for one hour? Watch and pray that ye enter not into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. And I can imagine the pain in Jesus as he, as he leaves and he prays again and comes back to find them sleeping. And that, that, that Statement by Jesus there is, could you not just watch with me for one hour? It always just rings and rings within me. Like Jesus always, in this, in this time of weakness, he just needed him to be in the spirit for one hour, just to walk after the spirit, deny the flesh for one hour, and they let him down. And when Jesus comes looking for me and and comes looking for you, will he find someone who is walking in their flesh and letting their flesh control their day, letting their flesh control their decisions, or they find someone who's walking in the spirit, who's living a life that is disciplined and of prayer and of fasting and uh, of sanctification and walking after those things of God. And I can imagine Jesus saying to us, could you not just give me one hour, just a little bit more? And that's the call tonight of the Lord. It's just to go a little deeper, to walk in the Spirit a little more, to deny our flesh, and to go deeper in Him. Amen. Pastor Trevor, you can come. Thank you.
0: Amen. 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 We must walk in the Spirit. It's daily, hourly, at all times. Denying ourselves, taking up our cross, and following Him. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Brother Mac, for... Sharing what God had spoken to you for us today. The youth can be dismissed at this time. Amen. You're going to hear quite a few similarities to what I have tonight, what the Lord has kind of dealt with me on tonight for us. Um, And I would like to turn your attention to my core passage for tonight's Bible study. It's a short passage, but I'm going to be quite a few other places here tonight. So turn with me uh, this, this week's, this month, excuse me, our our Bible study, the topic is God and culture. Okay, so we're talking about God and culture. And for tonight, I want to go to the book of John, chapter 17. Turn with me to John, chapter 17. John, chapter 17, and I'm going to, again, start by reading a couple verses, and we'll dive into a few scriptures later. So, starting with verse number 15, Jesus says, I pray not that thou shouldest take them out of the world, but that thou shouldest keep them from the evil. Verse 16, they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. And the thought that I will be talking about tonight and teaching on uh, to give tonight's study a title uh, will be this. What in the world? What in the world? That's the title for my Bible study tonight. What in the world? Um, And we've already prayed, so we'll continue in Jesus' name. So the overarching theme for tonight Uh, will be that we are not of this world. Uh, We must reject the temptation to live, move, and everything that living entails as if it were of this world. Yes, there are things that we must do in some way, shape, or form. I have a job. I have a house that I have to take care of. I have a lawn that needs to be mowed. One of my least favorite things, but it's still got to be done, right? (laughs) I do it as least as possible, but I've still got these things. We all have things we have to do. We all have places that we have to be at times. And I must must work, uh, you know, while I am here, right? As you heard Sunday, we may be a big boat and have little boats that are watching us that we must raise. We must care for those things that the Lord has entrusted us to care for. Even in the midst of all these things that we have to do, we must care for the things that the Lord has entrusted us to care for. But as a part of Jesus' prayer uh, for his disciples here in John 17, he, he expressed that his disciples were not of this world any more than he was. I pray not that you would take them out of the world, Jesus prays, but protect them from evil. Are you aware tonight that we have a protector? Are you aware tonight that there is one who keeps us from evil? There are times, church, and I am sure I'm not the only one that thinks this way, so I suppose I'm in good company, but but I get to thinking about all of those things that the Lord is protecting me from. And I begin to try to comprehend what I can see that he is protecting me from to what I can't see that he is protecting me from. I I believe there's 99 more things that I can't see that he's protecting me from than the one thing that I can. To give an applicable example, I I take practically the same way to work every single day to the point that if there's a detour, I'm just, why does there have to be a detour? That's going to put me five minutes behind. Or... You know, there's, there's mornings where I wake up considerably late. You know, I'm supposed to be to work at 7.30, so if I don't wake up till 7, there's not a lot of time there, so I, I have to cram like an hour and a half of, well, I shouldn't say that much, but in between an hour and an hour and a half of like some prep work into 10 minutes, you know, all these things that I like to do in the morning, they just go out the door, Right? And so I, I, I try to make it to work. I speed to work. I, I put my socks on while I'm brushing my teeth. I, I uh, you know, I, I eat some breakfast while I'm getting dressed. You know the drill. I'm not the only one here that's ever been late to work, right? If I had somebody raise their, if I had y'all raise your hands, I'm sure you all could say that you were late at, at one point in time. So, so it, and it turns out that I didn't make it to work on time that day anyway, okay? And, and thankfully, I do have a pretty flexible boss who, who didn't really say a word about it at least not yet, you know, it doesn't happen all that often, but when it does, it just kind of throws things into a frenzy, right? What usually hits me like a ton of bricks a little while later, after the frustration of the moment passes, is this. What was God keeping me from at that time? I wonder. And then I begin to thank Him. I say, thank you, Lord. If you were keeping me from something, thank you. For that I'm sorry I woke up late, but thank you for, for allowing me to rest through that so that you could protect me if you had to protect me. Did I wake up late on purpose? What was the Lord protecting me from something? Yes, those are questions that did cross my mind, which did lead to the thankfulness thereof. And I believe that the Lord protects his people from things that they will never know. After all, he is our protector. Just as much as he is my provider, he is my protector. Just as much as he is my healer, he is my protector. Just as much as he is the one that wakes away for me, he's my protector. And in keeping that thought of God being the protector, there may be certain situations that come up in your life where you feel the world crashing down around you but look toward Jesus, your protector. I know that days and times are coming where persecution may come your way or come my way, that we may suffer for his name's sake. And we know that the disciples still had to endure hardships after this time and things like that. They, they had to endure these, 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 uh, these uh, persecution, these persecuting things and you know, they had yet to happen. But, but even through all that, we have a protector. We have the protector. No weapon formed against us shall prosper. They may form, but they ain't nothing in the presence of the Lord. He will guard us against the evil one. He is our refuge and strength and what? A very present help in time of trouble. Not just a present, but a very present help always present, omni-present. He is our hope when fear tries to grip us. He will uphold us with His righteous right hand. He encamps around those who fear Him and delivers them. He is our hiding place from trouble. And I know this is a Wednesday night, but but someone needs to hear that tonight, that the Lord is still protecting you. He is still upholding you. He is still the hiding place where you can reside. He is still the hope for all the world. You may not know it. You may not even feel it. But he's still there. Are you thankful for that tonight? Amen. So as we move forward tonight, that was a bit of a prequel, if you will. But but as we move forward tonight, in the time that we have here together, I want to talk about three points from this passage. The first is, what is the world? The second is, living in the world. And the third is, not of this world. In searching and studying the term world, as we read it from this passage, we can find that the term means more than just earth, or it's referring to more than just the earth. Now, there are some times where Scripture uses the world to refer to the earth. okay? But more commonly, and including here in John, It refers to something greater. It refers to something a little more under the surface. The the usage we find here is more along the lines of worldly affairs, uh, adornment, and, and the inhabitants of the world. The ungodly, or that of which is without God. There are also ties to sin and death, which comes after the invasion of evil into existence. A further examination of this uh, uh, referring, is referring to the, the Gentiles collectively. Remember, Paul would often refer to the Gentiles as those who sought their ways over the Lord's. They would walk in ways that, what, in, what, in, what, in which they thought was right. But ultimately, it was wrong. It was not right. It would be similar to what we see in the U.S. when we refer to Hollywood, Or Wall Street. Corruption. Indecency. Sin. It's not referring to any specific location. Although these locations that I just listed are locations, the Hollywood and Wall Street and others, but but more so what is behind those places regarding entertainment and more. It's a battlefield that goes beyond what we see in the flesh and blood. For those we see that partake and become engrossed in that are mere recipients. They're mere uh, recipients of that or, or carriers of the worldliness that is at hand. Everything that a person engages in without God, apart from him, is a part of the world. Activities that can range from, again, politics to economics to entertainment to education, to conflict, and so much more. Colossians 1.13, Paul refers to the world as the power of darkness. The ESV translate this as the domain of darkness. And furthermore, the New Living Translation translates this as the kingdom of darkness. And another reference we find to the world is Jesus when he refers to the prince of the world, In John chapter 12, where we read now is the judgment of this world, now shall the prince of this world be cast out. Paul in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 2 writes, "Wherein, wherein in time past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now works in the children of disobedience. Now, while none of these mention Satan by name, we can see that, At the time these were written, and into today, that we see those who are under his authority and influence. We see those that are influenced by this darkness. Evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse. Deceiving and being deceived is continuing. It hasn't stopped. And me standing before you telling you all of this... It's certainly not to put a damper on things, I'm not here to just, you know, put a damper on things tonight, but because I, I don't know about you, but I don't like to dwell on that portion of Scripture, even though I know it's supposed to come to pass, but I must understand it, and I must know what to keep an eye out for. Now, I can't confirm or deny this, but, but some of you may be saying or wondering, well, why do I have to think about everything the world is about? Why do I have to worry so much about what this world, what's going on in this world? And and to that I say, you don't need to become so engrossed in it, but hear me. I would respond to you by saying, it's always good to know more about what to stay away from. Um, But also, and I will likely get back to this in a little bit, but to be so close to Jesus that anything that even hints to this mindset of the world would set off something inside of you that says, I better not be a part of that. I better stay away from that. Whatever this is will hinder me if I step into it. And so in moving on to the, the next point of living in this world, so long as we are alive and living in this flesh, we are in this world. We are bound to all the limitations that come along with being in the flesh. We grow old. Um, we are all subject to disease and sickness. We all get sick. I get colds every so often. I, I have diabetes. Some must work to support themselves and their family. If I can put a nail in something real quick, I talk about I talked about the Lord's protection just just moments ago. But but a believer, but being a believer does not exempt me from any of the dangers of being human. I could not make it out the doors of this sanctuary tonight. And I, I hope none of you would blame God for that because I'm just, we're all subject to things, you know, something could happen here tonight where none of us do. And I'm, you know, that could happen. It's just a reality. You know, I do believe and declare God's healing over my body. I do declare His protection over me. Yes, God does heal, save and deliver. I have seen it with my very own eyes. I have experienced his deliverance in my own life and I know many of you have as well. And I thank God for it because it's only him that can do it. Amen. <clears throat> but, but living here on this earth in this world, in this earthly house or tabernacle as Paul refers to it I am not outside of the, of the lines of the dangers of this world, of the dangers of being human. Not outside of the countless mundane tasks that I must do to stay alive and healthy. I've got to take care of this while I'm here, right? I'm, I'm not outside of the temptation or the pull from the world. When we are in the world, we are, we are subject to the godless influences of the world and its ruler. A world and ruler that can be hostile to God and those who belong to Him. Now, and and the temptation to compromise is, well, uncompromising. Let me say it like this. Um, The temptation to compromise comes because, let's face it, who would want to be persecuted? Who really wants to be persecuted? If I conform to the world then I can um, avoid persecution and ridicule, right? Temporarily, for sure. And and you may already be a few steps ahead of me, and that's okay, but but if I were to succumb to the world to avoid persecution and ridicule, Bishop was ahead of me, then then where does that put me when the world passes away? Where does that put me when this world passes away? As John wrote in in, in his epistle, the world passes away in the lust thereof, but... He that does the will of God abides forever. He that does the will of God does not succumb to the world to avoid persecution, but readies themselves now hanging closer and closer, gripping closer and closer, clinging tighter and tighter to Jesus, the one who saves, the one who delivers. Now, Am I saying that I'm going to suffer persecution the same way uh, that you might or that you even will? No, because I don't know what's in store for you. But, But what I do know is what Jesus told his disciples in chapter 15 of John, beginning with verse 18, reading from the NLT, if the world hates you, remember that it hated me first. The world would love you as one of its own, If you belong to it, but you are no longer a part of the world. I chose you to come out of the world, so it hates you. Verse 20, do you remember what I told you? A slave is not greater than the master. Since they persecuted me, naturally, they will persecute you. And if they had listened to me, they would listen to you. They will do this all to you because of me, Jesus says for they have rejected the one who sent me. And counting down, um, continuing down in the passage, Jesus continues, this fulfills what is written in their scriptures, they hated me without cause. What Jesus told the 12 that were sitting around him is just as applicable today to believers. We do not belong to this world and in turn, Jesus said that the world hates us for it. One of my favorite quotes from the late T.F. Tenney is this. Jesus fed 5,000, but only 500 followed him after lunch. He had 12 disciples, but only three went further into the garden. And only one stood with him at the cross. The closer you get to the cross, the smaller the crowd becomes. And, and in piggyback, piggybacking on that... The closer you get to the cross, the more world there is behind you. It is ever so important that we live a life that is ingrained with faithfully serving and following Jesus, despite what some may see as a circumstance. Circumstances will come, but circumstances will also pass away. But he that does what? The will of God? Lives forever, abides forever, is with Him forever. You may be here tonight, needing a shift in your mindset from look what could happen to seeing what could be seen as a circumstance. You see these circumstances like, oh, well, what if this happens? Uh, uh, What if this happens over here? And and you need you need to shift that, if you will, to 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 look up. For your redemption draws nigh, and seeing what is to come and seeing what will be one day so long as I stay on this path with him, so long as I stay on that straight and narrow. Let me talk about that straight and narrow for just a little bit because I felt the Lord impress me to just, to just speak on this for just a moment because that straight and narrow is, is a hard path to be on. It's not, it's not meant to be easy. And you may find yourself at times where you're veering off a little bit over here and you're feeling that tug back. Bishop, come here for a minute, if you would, please. You may, you're going to be Jesus, okay? And you're going you're to walk with me on this straight and narrow, okay? So walk with me. We're, we're going to walk hand in hand. I'm walking with Jesus. And I'm going to walk over here, and I'm going to let go, but Jesus is pulling you back. Pull me back. He's pulling me back because he wants me to stay on that road with him. But sometimes we pull so far, we pull so far, and he's so far away from us that maybe we don't even realize it anymore. You know, and we've got to get to that point to where we, we we feel him tugging on us, even when we get a little bit off, because Jesus wants to see us in heaven one day. He wants to see us in eternity one day. He wants to see us with him one day. So we have to continue to walk with him. And I, you know, there may be times again where you feel yourself walking a little bit to the left and walking a little bit to the right. Can I tell you we, we, we must die daily as we just heard as Paul writes. We must die daily so that, so that we can continue on that straight and narrow. And as we continue yeah. on that straight and narrow, these, these blinders build around us so we cannot see anything but that. And we're so focused on Jesus. I know we desire to be so focused on Him. But we've got to put these things on around us so all we can see is Him. And all we can worry about is Him. And all we can concern ourselves with Him. Is somebody hearing me tonight. Come on, come on. Thank you, Bishop. Come on. Good stuff. Good stuff. Good stuff. Church, this world is not my home. Is this world your home? It is not your home. I am just a pilgrim passing on through. As you bring God into culture, you share that love. You share that hope. You've walked that road already, so you want others to do the same. This road doesn't have to be a lonely road. You may feel like you're the only one there, but you may have a brother or a sister next to you that's walking with you, and and you're all at different areas on this road, but you're all walking because you know where your help comes from. You know that the redemption draws nigh. You know that one day you want to see him face to face, and you want to hear him say, well done. Hallelujah. You bring God into culture. You bring that healing to the world so that they can become pilgrims just passing through. So that they too no longer make their abode in anything man-made or of the world, but, but will build up that treasure which is in heaven and make their permanent residence in heaven.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> you and I, were both born into this world. We were all born into this world. Everyone was born into sin. No one is outside the bounds of sin. Thanks, Adam. The sin is one, as you may or may not know, that that can separate you from eternal life with your Savior. But remember that God had a plan of redemption all along. God had a plan to bring his children back, his people back, to rescue them, if you will, and to save them from the penalty of the world, from the penalty of sin. But excuse me for a moment while I just testify. Is that all right? Excuse me while I step on my soapbox for a moment to tell you about what the Lord did for me. I was buried in sins of every kind. I was walking a very, very dark path. Not able to see very far in front of me. The, the road was so dark that you could hardly see. There was so much darkness, darkness that that I succumbed to from time to time. There was tugs to my left and to my right. I lived a life where I made poor choices, but God. I lived a life that some would maybe turn their noses up at, but God. I was dead in my trespasses, but God. Because of what Jesus did for me, I died to that way of life. And was born anew. I was engrafted into the tree of life. I was engrafted as a branch to the olive tree. And now, now, my citizenship is. In heaven. And oh, I want to tell someone here today or joining online and maybe watching later that the same can happen for you. Jesus died for you, Jesus gave his all for you. Jesus is desiring eternity with you, he is desiring forever with you. Make your citizenship in heaven today. Hallelujah. But until that happens, Bringing it back down for just a moment. I still live here in this world. Even though I, am no, lo- I no longer belong to it. I- I'm not a citizen here anymore. I'm no longer of this world. And since I am no longer of this world, while I am still here as a stranger and pilgrim, as Peter alludes to in 1 Peter 2, I must abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul. And if you're taking notes, that's First Peter 2.11. But rather, as born-again believers, it is necessary to be the light to those who are in spiritual darkness. So so I've got to abstain from those things, but also be that light to those that are walking in darkness. They're going to notice. They may not realize that they're noticing it, but they're going to see something different about you as you walk with Jesus. And as you walk hand-in-hand with Him. Every day, we are to live in such a way that those who are in the world see us, how we talk, how we interact with others, how we present ourselves, how, how we react to situations, that they would see our good deeds and our manner and know there's something different about you and that that would just open that door for you to witness to them. What's the difference? Uh, just above, just a verse or two before, 1 Peter 2, 11, Peter writes, and get ready to answer because I'm quizzing you, but ye are a, What? chosen generation, a royal what? Priesthood, and holy what? Nation, a peculiar what? People, thank you, that ye should show forth the praises of him who has called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. Thank you, Lord. And just a side note here again, being not of the world does not mean that you cannot enjoy the beauty of creation. There's so many beautiful things out there. The, you know, the, the, the trees cry out. The, the rocks are going to cry out in my place if I don't. There's some beautiful scenery that you can go and visit. You can go to different places. I, uh, we're doing a service school at my, at my work this week, and these guys, I have a guy here that's from <clears throat> uh, Deerfield, New Hampshire, and he's, he's talking about these mountains and how it's just beautiful up there in, in south-central New Hampshire because he's right in the middle of the Appalachian Mountains, and I'm like, oh, I have got to get there one day because I just want to see that beauty of creation Myself, So it's okay that we enjoy the, the, the scenery, the view, if you will. But um, you don't have to hate the world, but just be aware of the darkness that is in it. And avoid that at all costs. No one has to go into hiding, becoming a hermit. Okay? And, or, or, and just keep to themselves. No, because then, in addition to not being of the world... If you became a hermit, you, you would remove yourself from being in the world. Right. Jesus said, "To be in the world, but not of the world. Right. Right. Now tell me, how can someone who does not know Jesus see him, they will see Jesus through you. Right. If you buy a new car, you buy your, if you think of your favorite car ever that you could the, the, the nicest car you could ever have. And you buy it, and you go and you park it in your garage, if you have a garage. Or you go and park it someplace where it can be protected from the rain, the elements, and whatnot. And you leave that car in there for the next, I don't know, however many years you own it, and you never drive it. What good is that car, Bishop? It's nothing. Nobody's going to see it but you. And the same is true in this life that you live, now that you are not Uh, of the world or now that you are not of the world but you're still in the world you can tell others too that hey I was once there but now I'm here let me help you along the way when you receive that salvation in Jesus name it's not something that we just keep in hiding yes it's something that we hold close but it's also something that we share with others saying hey here it is experience it for yourself Jesus is here for you God gave you a mouth to speak and ears to listen. We were created to interact with others. We were created to bring God into culture. And this involves moving this and speaking right here, from right here to others. If you won't do it, then who will? If it doesn't happen now, then when will it happen? If it doesn't happen wherever you go, then where will it happen? Amen. In closing in these last few minutes that we have uh, tonight, I want to bring out one more element of what it means to not or to be not of this world. And this is uh, we should live as foreigners. Um, And to show you an example of this in Scripture, I want to take you back to the book of Leviticus chapter 18, beginning with verse 1. Reading from the NASB, the uh, the New American Standard Bible. Then the Lord spoke to Moses saying, speak to the sons of Israel and say to them, I am the Lord your God. You shall not do what is done in the land of Egypt where you lived, nor are you to do what is done in the land of Canaan where I am bringing you. You shall not walk in their statutes. You are to perform my judgments and keep my statutes to live according to them. I am the Lord your God so you shall keep my statutes and my judgments by which a man may live if he does them. I am the Lord. In which Moses continues to, to speak specifically about certain lifestyles that the Egyptians were living and the Canaanites were living in and what to flee from and what not to be a part of. He listed out this whole big, long spiel of things of what not to do. There was, there was a lot of weird stuff Bad things happening. You know, there was sexual sin happening in particular. Um, But something noteworthy from this is this once they were delivered from these lands, God said, What? Don't live like that anymore. I'm a foreigner here. I, I, I can't live like that anymore. And then God said, what? I am telling you this now because there is more coming. There, there's more that's going to come your way. The temptation's still going to be there where I'm taking you. So you've got to get it right now. You've got to choose to not live that way now. You've got to prepare yourself now. You've heard it preached across this pulpit and maybe others too that you've got to prepare yourself now for what's to come. Not, not in a fearful sense but so that you're ready. So that you're ready to combat that. So that you're ready to, to, to to go on that battlefield and let the Lord fight your battles for you, because you'll never have to fight that battle alone so long as you're with the Lord, and you allow him to do so. You see, the Israelites that were freed were what I see as a type of foreigner, a pilgrim, a stranger in the land, right? They were being led by the Lord. They were being led by Moses, who was being led by the Lord. They, they had been in bondage for so long that what, was once, that what was once something that maybe belonged to them no longer did. <clears throat> Sin was still running rampant around them. Sin was still seeming to run rampant in them because while they were delivered from the physical bondage, God wanted to focus on the mental, the emotional, the psychological, and the spiritual bondage that was still trying to hold on to them. When Paul writes to be transformed by the renewing of your mind, have you ever wondered what all that includes? I can transform a lot of stuff for everyone else to see, but hear me. If nothing changes here, where people can't see, then what good does all of this stuff that people see do? What good is it? I can't be empty inside. I must have him filling me up at all times. He's got to fill my cup. He's got to fill it up so that it overflows. Because if I'm empty here, anything else out here is just, it's just words on a paper. Um, going back to the, the Israelites... They they were free, but really they weren't. And, and, and just taking that back a little bit more, to be a foreigner in this land, there must be a transformation of the mind that believes and acts according to the principle that the change begins here. Everything changes. Everything must be transformed. We must be transformed from our head to our toe. And it's a process. It's not like a like a one-time thing. It, it might be for you, but... For some people, it might not be. It takes time. You've got to overcome certain things. You've got, you've got battles that you may be facing. You know, there's this battlefield of the mind, if you will, that, that is always trying to well, battle with you. I'm not saying your mind is against you, but, but again, there's these things around you that try to deter you from the Lord, even more so when you're trying to fight against them. So the Israelites were free, but they really weren't, um, because they still had some bondage inside. Yes, they were freed physically, but they were still holding on to that lifestyle. And as I bring this all close to a night, uh, as to a close tonight, excuse me, I, I want us to pray together. And I want each of us to pray that if there be anything that remains of the old, that we would allow God to renew our minds that we would allow God to continue to transform us he desires to do it for you but do you desire him to do it let us pray Lord, we thank you for your word which is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword that which can divide the soul and spirit and joints and marrow lord i ask right now to touch each and every heart and mind in this place that will allow you to do so Lord, as you may reveal some, to some what needs to be removed and to others what you have removed already, Lord, I thank you for continuing on this journey with us and walking beside us. You are such a good Father and you are faithful to us. We thank you for your mercy, that, allow, that allowance that allows us to call on you and ask these things of you. And just as your word says, you will forgive the sins of your people and you will heal this land So long as we continue to call on you and lean on you in everything. And we ask all of this in your matchless and marvelous name. And everybody say amen. Amen. I wonder if we can clap our hands to the Lord. He's so great. He's so worthy of it all. He's so worthy of it all. I'm thankful that he brings these things to our attention so that we can make those changes. So that we can continue to be molded into his image. God bless you all in Jesus' name. Thank you for joining us here tonight. Please drive safe tonight, and we will see you all on Sunday uh, for church and all the men on Saturday for the workday. Amen.